Good morning, friends. My name is Pastor Milo. We're so glad you're here with us this morning. Uh, it's good to have you. Uh, it looks like we filled in a little bit since we started our worship gathering this morning. So uh, if we did a count this morning, we might need to double back on that. So we're glad you made it this morning. It's a beautiful day. It's a good time to be in the house of the Lord. And if uh, you haven't been with us uh, for a while or you haven't been with us until uh, this morning, in the sermon series, we're in a sermon series called More Than Conquerors, and we're in the book of Romans. So if you get out your Bibles or use those few Bibles in front of you, the book of Romans, chapter 8. And so we'll uh, be there uh, this morning. How many of you love to be scared? Some people really do. They enjoy the sensation of being scared, scared out of their mind, scared out of their wits. When my wife and I, when we started dating when we were in high school, like she wanted to go to scary movies. I do not like to be scared. Anyone with me that you do not like, you do not enjoy the sensation. Yes, there's an adrenaline rush and all that. I do not like to be scared. If, if, uh, if there's the fight or flight syndrome, how many of you know for certain, raise your hand that you are the flight person. Something's about to go down and the door is just pop, 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 pop. You're gone, right? How many of you know that you are the fight person? If something goes down and you get scared, you are going to fight. I know myself, I have learned and my family has learned the hard way that if I am scared, I am the fight person. And uh, we've learned that the hard way. Going back into high school, uh, my dad, he didn't do this many years or many times, I'm not sure why, but for whatever reason, April Fool's Day, I remember it pretty significantly, he decided that he was going to surprise me when I came in the house that evening. He jumped out from behind the door and said, April Fool's, and I punched him in the throat. <laughs> I mean, and he was hurt. I said, I don't want to be scared. I don't want to be surprised. I don't want to be freaked out. Later, uh, my wife and I went, we were probably only married for two or three months, and we went to a marriage retreat. And um, it was just this really neat time. It was a good time, and we had a hotel room and all that. And, and Aaron just decided it would be really funny uh, while I was taking a shower to uh, throw a cup of cold water over the top of the shower. I was minding my own business. I was cleaning all the appropriate places. I was doing what I was supposed to do. And the next thing you know, a cup of cold water comes flying over the top of the thing. And she says, ah, surprise. And I punched her in the face. <laughs> Through the shower curtain. I didn't know what was on the other side of that shower curtain. We were at a marriage retreat. I'm not making this up. We went back day two of the marriage retreat, and my wife has a shiner on her face. <laughs> I don't like to be scared. <laughs> Sometimes it's not that funny. I will add that to that as well. My kids now know. My wife has taught them. Learned, they, they decided, April Fools, not very long ago, April's first, first day, they decided they were going to jump out and surprise me uh, when I came in the door at home. And my wife had them all stay down really low, so they were out of <laughs> swinging distance. <laughs> I 
And it's, it's fear, friends. It's not like I am scared to death and all I just start swinging. I don't know what's going on. Stay away from me. Some of you are fearful in different ways. Some of you are afraid at night for what tomorrow will hold and you cannot fall asleep. You cannot fall asleep. Your mind is racing, the anxiety, the fear of what might happen, what might not happen, where, who, who might talk to you, who might not talk to you, and you cannot fall asleep. That's not everybody here, but that's happening. That's happening. Some of you are so nervous, so much anxiety in you, so afraid in the morning, the same type of thing of what the day holds, who might talk to you, you might not be prepared for that presentation, whatever it is, is that you cannot seem to get out of bed in the morning because that fear is paralyzing for you. A friend of mine, his name is Chris, he is an architect, very successful architect, worked in an architectural firm. If you've been downtown, that they're changing a lot of the face of downtown and the company that he worked for uh, had, had gotten a lot of the bids on the project, but they, they were specifically the ones that they're, they're changing over the train system and all the different, um, the stops for the train and the subways that comes through. Like they've redesigned all that and they're building these new stops. He was the architectural firm who built that thing out and figured out what they were gonna make it look like and tie those things in. And one day, downtown in this very successful business, he's a young man doing a really good job. He's been promoted a number of times. In the middle of the workday, at one o'clock in the afternoon, he finds himself in the corner, curled up in a ball, cannot move because he's had a panic attack because the whole world seems like it closes in on him. What was it like for him to go back the next day after being taken to the hospital in the ambulance? and try to look at his coworkers in the eye. They all know what's happened. They all know that something's the matter. And I'm sure that they're all asking questions of how can we help? What was the matter? What can we do for you? Wouldn't that make it that much worse? And Chris has to deal with that. Fear paralyzes all of us. In fact, 17% of us right now in this room today in the United States have some form of anxiety disorder today. If you don't have it today, 28% of us, of you, will have an anxiety disorder in your lifetime. In fact, the average high school student today carries anxiety levels that were the same in 1950 of psychiatric patients in a ward. The same levels of anxiety that they would measure of someone who has been put in an institution are the same level of anxiety that our high school students walk around with every single day. Smartphones give us more access to people than ever before, access to things, access to information. My brother-in-law, he's a pastor, he was speaking last week and he gave this illustration. He said, we never wonder anymore, I wonder who the president was after President Truman. What would you have to do? You would have to, to go home, and hopefully your father got burned and, and purchased the entire Encyclopedia Britannica, and you would look up the answer to your question if you had that particular letter of the alphabet. But now all you have to do is ask your phone, who was the president after Truman, and you know. But in all of that information, we still find that 10 years ago, if you asked the people to list their emergency contacts for emergency contact information, 10 years ago, that's not that long ago, friends, people would list five 
emergency contacts. I could list up to five emergency contacts. These are the people, if something goes down and person number one is, is not there, go to person number two, there's five of them. You ask people today to do the same thing, and most of them have a zero. That's pretty nerve-wracking, right? Now, maybe it's because none of us know any of our phone numbers. <laughs> They're like, well, I've got people, but I don't know how to contact them. Even that in itself is, is an anxiety creator. Some of you are nervous right now thinking about, who is my emergency contact? <laughs> if something were to happen this morning, who would we call? No wonder we're nervous wrecks. Today our sermon series is in Romans chapter 8. We are more than conquerors. Sermon title today is more than our fear. But we're going to go there this morning and read from verse 14. Would you stand this morning? Let's stand together. I just want to read from verse 14. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 14. We'll read our passage for this morning. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. That's a repeat. We talked about that some last week. Verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share his sufferings in order that we may also share his glory. Dear Lord, we trust you and we thank you for your word. This Romans chapter 8 is a powerful, power passage of scripture. Lord, as we dig in again, Lord, as we learn that we are more than conquerors, Lord, will you give us a truth this morning that we can walk out and say, you are more than our fear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for standing. You can sit down. So we're going to be dealing with the truths of the great Romans chapter 8 this morning. But I'm going to go by a little bit different way. So if you've got your Bibles, hang a left to Matthew chapter 8. So we're in the great Romans 8, but we're going to go back to Matthew chapter 8. I want to set this up also as well if you're familiar with the passage in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. Don't be anxious. What you'll eat or drink or your body, what you wear, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They're not worried about it. They don't sow or reap or store in barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. Can any one of you, by worrying or being fearful, add a single hour to your life? Now, all of Jesus' disciples are there with him when he shares this truth to the crowds. When he tells them, don't worry about tomorrow, don't, don't be anxious, don't worry, the lilies of the field, God takes care of them and you are more important than that, God will take care of you. He, he shares this to all of them and then we reach Romans chapter 8 with his disciples. He's been speaking to the crowds, he's been talking with them, and there's a man who comes up from the crowds. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Romans chapter 8. Verse 18, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross the other side of the lake. So there's a number of people around him. They're gathered around him. They're gathered tight around him. And Jesus gives orders, he says, to cross to the other side of the lake. And then there's this other story that's inserted in there. So we have to figure out what's going on here. 
Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Look at Jesus' response. Jesus said, Foxes have dens. Birds have nests. We have a groundhog who's made a home right outside of the thing over here. He's got a hole in the ground. He thinks he's going to live there. We're going to do something about that. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. So if you're going to follow Jesus, he says, you have to let the dead bury the dead. Leave them alone. Don't worry about them. Leave all of that behind and follow me. Wouldn't you expect that this person who was all excited about following Christ is about to have a panic attack? You want me to do what? He says, all I want to do is bury granddad. All I want to do is be able to take care of this, and I'm with you. I'm all in. Let me just get my things in order, and I'm, I'm with you. Let's go. He says, you don't need to do that. You need to follow me right now. And he gets in a boat. The disciples hear him say this. They've heard the sermon about all of their worries, all of their anxieties. God will take care of Look what they do. So immediately he gets in the boat and his disciples followed him. He had just told these two men, if you want to follow me, let the dead bury the dead. If you want to follow me, then the foxes, you have nowhere to live. And then he turns around and gets in the boat. And what do the disciples do? They, turn, they get in the boat with him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was what? You know the passage. What's Jesus doing? He's sleeping. Now, there are some people in my family who would be sleeping. I don't know how they do it. But in the middle of all of the stuff going on, they can be sleeping. We had an elder retreat this weekend. And there are some elders in this room that can put some sound out at night. Let me tell you what. I have a feeling that a couple of these elders would be sleeping through the storm. They would have no problem with this. But these disciples are terrified. They went and they woke him up and said, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Let's, don't forget, right? These are, these are sailors. These are fishermen. They know the Sea of Galilee. They are freaked out by this storm because this storm is real. It's not messing around. It wants to tear the boat apart, and Jesus is sleeping. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so what? Afraid. Then he got up, walks to the front of the boat, rebukes the winds and the waves, and it was what? Completely silent. The men were amazed. The storm is huge. These men are terrified. And Jesus seemingly is not present, seemingly does not care. If I was on the ship with these men and someone tapped me on the shoulder, asked me a question, I'd just start punching people. Terrified, out of your mind. But I think this would scare me more than anything else. When the wind and the waves go silent. And they ask each other, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves 
obey him. God wants you to get where God wants you to go more than you want to get where God wants you to go. If you're following along, you do have your notes in front of you. It's an outline for you today. Just a couple of real simple points I want to share with you this morning. It's a statement by Mark Batterson. So these, these men, they get in the boat. They've just been told what it's going to take to be a follower of Christ. And they get in the boat because they think they know what it's going to take to follow Christ. And then moments later, they are scared out of their minds. But the reality is, is God wants you to get where God wants you to go more than you want to get where God wants you to go. This weekend was the Kentucky Derby. Are you familiar? Pretty big deal. Enormous hats, ridiculous hats. I don't understand what that's about, but it's part of the deal. If you watched it at all, I, my, my son Elias, we, I, I go on dates with my kids every week and uh, or, or a lot of times, and we go over here to the NOCO gas station, there's a Tim Hortons, and we have Tim, Tim Bits, and we sit and have coffee, and Elias' thing that he really wants to do is sit facing the TV where the lottery numbers are picked, and he wants to pick his lottery numbers. <laughs> I don't think that's very healthy, but I keep doing it. And so in a similar fashion, the Kentucky Derby, what do you do? You pick a horse. Figure out your odds, you figure out what horse you're going to pick, all that. We had a good time watching it. If you know anything about horses, though, if they are afraid, it is nearly impossible to lead that horse anywhere. So horses generally have a halter or a bridle or something that you can hold on to their face. But if you know that horse is afraid, or even as a precaution, you always have a six or an eight foot lead line on that horse, because usually if you're holding on to the face of the horse and something happens to spook that horse, you are going to be thrown, if you, even if you can hold on, you're going to be thrown one way or another, you're going to get very, very hurt trying to hold on, trying to lead a scared animal. But if you have a lead line, you have a rope, you have something with a little bit of distance, that horse can rear up, that horse can look one way or the other, pull, drag, and pull side, and you can still have a hold of that animal without getting knocked off your feet yourself. And so if you watch the Kentucky Derby, if you watch any races, the, the horses are about to run. They want to run free as fast as they possibly can, and those jockeys are going to do all they can to let those horses run. But first, they have to get through those stanchions, and they do not want to get in those starting blocks. Which is why, if, you, if you've watched them line them up, when they start, they start lining them up one after another after another. It is unlucky to be the horse that has to be in the first stall. You don't want to be there. You want to be somewhere in the middle. And by the time that they load that last horse, you've got to be ready, because when that last horse goes in, as soon as they close the gate, they're going to open the other side. Why? Because those horses are going to hurt themselves. They're panicking. They're afraid. This morning, our first fill-in says this, not afraid to be led. I'm not afraid to be led. Wouldn't that be nice? Not afraid to be led. Turn over to Matthew chapter 14. We have another experience on the sea. 
Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. This is after he has fed the 5,000. It's been a good day. He dismisses the crowd. After he dismisses them, he went up on the mountainside himself to pray. Later that night, while he's there alone, he's up on the mountainside. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. He's watching it, buffeted by the waves, beaten up by the waves, and the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, what happens? Jesus went out to them, walking across the lake. We cannot just skip over these things. He was walking on the water, friends. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were what? Terrified. They were afraid. It's a ghost, they said. And they started punching each other out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out to you on the water. Come, he said. Talk about not being afraid to be led. Come, he said. And Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was what? He was afraid. He began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, and he caught him, and he he tells him, you have little faith. Do you remember what he told the disciples in the previous passage? He said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Climbed back in the boat, and the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly you are the Son of God. Go back over to Romans. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. If we're thinking about it in this lens, in this context, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 that we just read, we're not afraid to be led. Why? Because for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are what? They are the children of God. He is going to make certain that his children are taken care of. You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship so you can do what? In this situation, when you're terrified, you're afraid, you're sinking in the waves, you cry out what? Abba, Father. And he reaches in. And he pulls you out. He says, why did you forget? Why did you doubt? I'm here. Not afraid to be led. Next fill-in. Not afraid to live free. Not afraid to live free. Continuing there in Romans chapter 8. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Not afraid to live free. You know, Paul uses this example of adoption to be able to explain fully what it looks like to go from being slave to being free. Now, in, in the Roman system, there were two steps for Roman adoption. The first step was called emancipato. Emancipatio. I don't know if I'm saying it right. It's the root word of emancipation. So that this, this slave is no longer a slave. It is, it is now what? It has now been emancipated. And the second step is called vindicato, which is the root word for vindication. So not only has he been slave, uh, the slave has not only been freed, but now they have been vindicated, that they are in good standing. And here are the results of a Roman adoption. 
The four results are this. The adopted person loses all rights to his own family, but gains all rights into his new family. Loses all rights in the old family, but gains all the rights in the new family. The adopted person became the full heir to his new father's estate, even if there were other sons. Did you pick up on that? If you adopted this slave, and you were a Roman, and you brought them into your family, you give them your full inheritance, even if there's other sons. The adopted person's old life was completely wiped out, completely erased. It was no longer, you were no longer a slave. It's a song we sing here. It comes right from this Romans chapter 8. In the eyes of the Roman law and society, this is the fourth result. It was as if the adopted person was literally and completely the son of his new father in every sense. The daughter of this new family in every sense. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, it says here. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Why? Because Christ has the full inheritance of the Heavenly Father. And we are co-heirs with Christ because we have the full inheritance of the Heavenly Father because we have been adopted into His family. We no longer need to live in the spirit of fear. We are no longer slaves to fear. No, we have been adopted and we are heirs to the throne, friends. The message translation says it like this, and it's beautiful. It's in your notes. The resurrection life you receive from God is not timid, not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a child like, what's next, Daddy? We just went on a family vacation last week. Many of you did as well. What do your kids say as soon as you get in the car? <laughs> Are we there yet? What's next? This was fun. We got in the car. We packed it up. I liked it. What are we doing now? <laughs> What's next, Daddy? And as a parent, there's just something so special about that when your child asks that question. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Can I be with you? This weekend I said we had an elder retreat for the new incoming elders and those elders who are continuing to serve. Got away for about 24 hours out at Camp Hickory Hill. There's a men's retreat going on at the same time. We kind of join up with them for part of the time. And then uh, we separate and, and work together uh, on some things that are very specific to Randall. What that means is there's other guys, other churches there at the camp while we are there. And in the evenings we have free time that kind of intermingles with some of them. And sometimes we get some, some good healthy competition between some churches and different things like that. Well, all of us, all the men who were still up, it was fairly late, we're, we were playing this game called Nine Square in the Air. Some of you are familiar. So we're playing this game. And then off to the side, there's a basketball goal. Tim Graffin, one of our elders, plays basketball three, four nights a week. He is a, he's a stud. He's good at basketball. And from one of these other churches, there was a 10, 11-year-old kid who kept Challenging Tim to one-on-one. -on -one. He says, you want to play one-on-one? -on -one? And Tim was like, no, I'm all right. I don't need to do that. And he'd shoot for a while. And he'd come back over. He said, you ready? You ready? We're going to play one-on-one. -on -one. And Tim, like, he was gracious enough for a while, but finally he was like, okay, you want this? Let's do this thing. 
And so we watch from the side. We're, we're kind of playing our game, but we're, we're kind of keeping an eye on it. And, and Tim would, would shoot, and he would score, and then he'd back up to try to give the kid a chance, and he would shoot from half court and score. It didn't matter. He was just drilling the kid. And, and over time, this kid, but he was not afraid of Tim. I don't understand why. I said, is that all you got? And then he would take the ball and just kind of chuck it up there, and he literally would say, and when he would release the ball, he would say, buckets. And he was nowhere near the bucket. That kid was fearless. I don't know what was the matter with him. I'm afraid to play against him in basketball. Why wasn't he afraid of it? I don't know. I don't know. But I tell you what, somewhere in there, this kid was not timid. This kid was not living a grave-tending life, was he? We were told to have faith like a child. We were told to have faith like a child. Children are willing at times to do things that none of us would ever be willing to do. They see something beautiful, they see something exciting, they stop everything and they go check it out. You know, really when it comes down to it, being not afraid to live free, sometimes being not afraid to stop what you're doing and just take a moment to rest which none of us seem to be good at. I'm reading a book by this Mark Batterson, and he gives an example of this. This book goes through Romans chapter 8, which is, because I didn't know that when I started the book. We're in the middle of this series. I said, oh, this is about Romans 8. Well, that's interesting. Kind of how God works those things out. But he talks about a television show many of you have probably been familiar with, a PBS documentary show called Road Trip Nation. And he gives this example of, of these, as they were building the series, as they were building this documentary, they're driving through western Montana, it says here. These road trippers, they decided to exit the 190. Yeah, it goes all the way out to Montana. I don't know if you're familiar with that. And actually, I, I realized my own bias. And actually, in the book here, it says they exit Interstate 90. But I said the 90, of course. Check out the picturesque Clark Fork River. That's when they noticed an 18-wheeler parked by the river in a truck driver skipping stones in the river. It was a strange sight because truckers are notorious for only stopping at the truck stops. When they asked him and interviewed him what he was doing, the trucker told them that his wife had passed away the day before. For 35 years, he says, I've driven by this exit hundreds of times and I've what? Never stopped. The look on his face was part regret, it was part enlightenment. For the first time in 35 years, he decided to exit the freeway. And that became the motto of that show, of that documentary, Exit the Freeway. So really, at the end of the day, what, what it comes down to is sometimes being afraid to live free means being afraid to exit the freeway. Other times it's more serious than that from a spiritual level. It's a level of being afraid to share the greatest story we could ever share. Got a friend, his name is Pastor Bill Smith, African-American pastor here in the city. I meet with him weekly. He and I talk about a lot of things that are going on in his life and in my life, and he's just one of those mentors in my life. I, I really appreciate the relationship that I have with him. The other afternoon, Tuesday afternoon, we sat down at Spot Coffee, 
just kind of checking in with each other, see what was going on with life. And he, he said, something happened this week that has not happened to me in my entire ministry. And what he had done, he had set up, he has this woman who's been coming to his church for a few weeks. She's a Chinese speaker. She does not speak English at all. And she comes to church every single week. And he said, this is, this is not going to do. And so he, he got a translator. He got some of the, uh, the paperwork and some things from one of our, our college ministries. Crew was able to give him the materials that he needed to be able to make sure that he could communicate the gospel to this woman. And so he gets a translator who can translate in Chinese. He starts sharing the gospel with this woman. And this woman gives her life to Christ. And while he's sharing the gospel with this Chinese woman on, in, in the middle of Buffalo, he's sharing the gospel with her. Three other people in the restaurant that they were at, this little coffee shop that they were have, they came over and they said, we want some of that too. We heard you sharing the story, and because it was slow enough so they could hear that it, would, would you do that? Would you share the gospel with us too? And what he said, he said, you need to make an appointment. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this translator. I need to make sure that we get through this in Chinese. And so he makes an appointment, and those two women both accepted Christ. This all happened last week. And he's baptizing those women on a Sunday morning, and five college students walk in that Sunday morning. They said, we just walked in. We're not sure what's going on, but we just wanted to walk in and see what you're up to as a church. Something special is going on in his church, friends. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And you're co-heirs with Christ. That's what living free does. You say, I'm going to take a step here. I'm going to do something unique and special. And you know what? The Holy Spirit of God can support that. Now, that may not happen to you this afternoon. That fear may not trickle away this week. Pastor Bill says this is the first time this has happened in 30 years of ministry. So I understand that this doesn't happen every afternoon. But we don't have to live free. Excuse me, we don't have to live afraid. We live free. Why is that? This morning we take part in communion. Because our freedom was bought with a price. If our communion attendees will come forward this morning, it is a reminder to us, we live in a nation where we throw the word freedom around often. And we say that. We talk about our freedom here in a democratic nation, that our freedom was bought with a price. And that is true, and I am not taking anything away from that. But when we are told to live free in Christ, when we are told we don't have to be a slave to fear anymore, understand the price that was paid for freedom was entirely different. When we celebrate communion and what happened in the Lord's Supper, we understand that Jesus was taking on the weight and the sin of the entire world on his shoulders so that we can live free so that we can no longer be afraid. That's what he did. The Lord's Supper was not served in trays like this. The Lord's Supper was not handed out in a church service. The Lord's Supper was a meal with friends, with those 12 disciples who had been scared out of their minds and yet they knew that this man, this Savior, this Lord was the Messiah. And so they were there sitting around the table with him once again, again, scared out of their wits when he said that he was going to die on their behalf. To the point, the Apostle Peter, the impulsive Peter says, oh no, that's not going to happen on my watch. 
Get behind me, Satan, he said. Whenever the Lord's Supper is taken, it's a solemn time to think about what Christ has done. To remember what he did as the sacrifice for you and for me. However, it is also a celebration that we do indeed live free because of what he has done. We are joint heirs with the Son of God. So in a moment, we'll hand out the bread. And follow that, we'll pass out the grape juice. If you're a first-timer with us this morning, we have an open communion, meaning anyone who is a follower of Christ, we invite you, please, join us in this time. But in this time, will you also join us in considering where your life is this week? Consider whether or not you are afraid because you are afraid to let the Lord lead you through the day. Consider whether or not you are afraid to live free because you are enslaved and in bondage to sin. Consider whether or not Jesus was powerful enough to emancipate you. And the answer is yes. Yes, he is. It's more than a religious ritual. It's communion. It's common union with other believers and with Christ himself. So, dear Lord, we come to the communion table to you, with you this morning. We trust, Lord, that you are working in hearts this morning. We trust, Lord, that there are many here who want to leave today living free. So it is a natural transition for us to remember fully what you have done for each and every one of us. So we trust that this is a very special time, Lord. We pray that hearts would be moved in Jesus' name. So in 1 Corinthians 11... It says this, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. So we will follow that this morning, beginning with the bread.
Romans chapter 11, verse 23, I received from the Lord what I delivered to you. But the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, he gave thanks and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Please do in remembrance of me. Verse 25, the same chapter says, in the same way, he also took the cup.
In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you. Romans chapter 8, as we've read, it said this, If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we also may share in his glory. Communion, we've, we've shared in his sufferings here this morning. But I pray that when you leave today, that you walk out of this room sharing in his glory. That you walk out of this room understanding and knowing what the price was paid for you, that you may walk out of here free. In front of you, you've got a white connection card. They're right there in the pew in front of you. If there's something this morning in the message that you would like to respond to, if there's something in a song you'd like to respond to, a question that you have, a prayer request that you have, we've been able to to pray with, with many of you. Dozens and dozens of connection cards have come in over the last few weeks of just real things that are going on in your life. That's why I can share with confidence this morning, knowing that there are some things in this room that you are anxious about. There are some things in this room that you are fearful about. We know that. When we share in his sufferings, we also may share in his glory. And as the ushers come forward this morning, pray that maybe you're being led to respond just by simply filling out a connection card and saying, this is what God is doing in my life. Some of you are being led to respond financially. This has been a good year for us as a church financially. But some of you are still being prompted. God is working in your heart to say, I I want to give. I believe that I'm supposed to, but I'm afraid to do so. Don't be afraid to be led by the Spirit of God. Trust that the one who rescued Jesus from the cross and the grave will also be able to sustain you. Do not be fearful. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. Trust. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word, the way it speaks to each of us this morning. The way that these words penned by human authors, but inspired by you many, many years ago, speak true and alive as if they were spoken for the first time this morning. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the enriching that we feel in that. We thank you that as we celebrate together by communion of the suffering that was done at the cross, Lord, that we also can celebrate the glory of the resurrection today. Lord, there's more to be said, but we trust, Lord, that you, as the Spirit groans on our behalf, Lord, that you will fill in the blanks this morning. We love you and praise you and worship you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.